Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Poplar Propcast. We have two people with us today that are the co-founders of Pinata, which is an online point system for that you get points for paying rent and doing things appropriate to your property, and then you can redeem them for rewards. Uh, these two co-founders are Clara Chow and Lily Liu, and they are extremely accomplished, both in the educational space with their backgrounds and degrees, and then also in all of the stuff that they've done. They've been on a lot of lot of founding boards, a lot of boards, a lot of government positions. So I'd like to turn it over and allow Lily to introduce herself and then Clara. So Lily, if you'd say hello to the people and give them a quick rundown of where you came from. Nice. Thanks, Justin, for the intros and for having us on the show. Super excited to chat more. Uh, a little bit about myself. I actually started my career in a very different space than technology. It was policy and politics. I, um, you know, I really wanted to make a big social impact out of grad school. And I think I, you know, for me, I thought the best way to do it was, hey, go into government. <laughs> That's the, that must be the fastest way to implement any type of real lasting social change. So I did that for about half a decade. I was with the federal government first, TSA in DC, and then I went to a management rotational program in the mayor's office in Long Beach in LA. Uh, then I was recruited by Mayor Bloomberg's office and worked with him for a couple of years. When I left is when I started my first tech company that was really inspired by a lot of the pain points I had seen at the local government level, which is oftentimes what residents, when they think of politics and whether or not they like their government, it's at the local level. It's did your garbage get picked up? Are your streets safe? Are your schools good? And do you actually have public resourcing that that um, that you enjoy? And so, at the local level, uh, there was really a broken communication system in terms of how how I keep wanting to say renters, but residents and businesses can contact their local government. And so we built what is now known of popularly as three one one. It's not emergency nine one one. We built the first web and mobile tools for allowing and making it easy for residents to in real time communicate with their government. And so we scaled it to a lot of uh, cities across the US, some international. And the last year of operations, we actually rolled it out to a couple of large uh, commercial buildings, including the Burj Khalifa, same use case, you know, you'd snap a photo on the hundredth floor and create a work order, whatever issues um, you had. So it was a fun time, it was a wild time. We did it for about five years before we were acquired by a company called Excella. And their whole vision was government in the cloud, government as a service. So fit in really nicely to their vision to really grow services in the public sector. And then all acquired by uh, an even larger company um, within that first year. So it was a, it was a busy time for the company. <laughs> Happy okay, so to elaborate more, but Clara and no, I. Let, yeah, we'll come back to that. There's a, a bunch of stuff time. in there I want to dive into, yeah. not least of which is local government, because that's something that. Uh, does directly yeah. affect renters quite often, especially in the space of HOAs, which are like the smallest piece yeah. of handoff local government you can get. Uh, Clara, will you run through your background kind of up until right before Pinata, or just kind of give us a broad overview of things that affected your landing? 100%. Thank you for having us, Justin. I'm really excited to be here. I feel like Pinata is the culmination of my whole career. If you look at it, it, it feels like a hodgepodge. I've worked in the public, private, and social sectors. I actually met Lily because she was leaving the Bloomberg administration and I was entering. 
uh, and this is 2009, I graduated into the recession. I'm a millennial who definitely hit that, uh, that, that wall uh, that, you know, I lived for years with roommates, resented every rent day, <laughs> you know, and, and I think throughout my whole career, I think it, something like that, that kind of event really affects you. And economic mobility and financial security have been themes through all my work. So one of my first projects out of school was running a social venture called Generation Enterprise. This was focused on young people in Nigeria and India in slum communities who are trapped in dead-end jobs. And of course, we know that that's not unique to slum communities abroad. Uh, but this idea of being stuck, not being able to move ahead and unlock new opportunities and the frustration and the lack of identity and the lack of self-sufficiency and dignity that comes from that has really just been the problem I've been trying to solve in different iterations. So while I was running this venture, um, we grew it, we partnered with the local governments. Uh, we, we actually reached hundreds of thousands of young people uh, through a program that connected with government. And we ultimately got incubated by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals Incubator. Yeah, so that was, for me, that was a really cool opportunity to say, hey, if you have a vision for how the world could be different, try it small, do a pilot project, don't spend time talking about it, point to point to it and show how it can work, and then figure yeah. out a way to blow it up real big. Did, did you guys do Model UN in high school? You know, I did it a couple times. I always got random little nations like Tuvalu. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. and it was always strange because they bring you these giant multinational problems. But I think it'd be really interesting if you went back to Model UN and kind of insert the the little micro loan programs and the assistance loan programs and go, okay, what do you guys want to do? Your goal is maximizing global welfare. You know, I wish that more problems were framed in that way, Justin. Uh, it's certainly the way that we see the problem at Pinata, but you know, whether but yeah, Model UN I think was was kind of a precursor for ultimately working with the real UN and the sustainable development goals. Um, and this little incubator that I was part of. But while I was doing this, I was also doing strategy consulting at McKinsey. I worked at Hearst, which publishes a lot of magazines and was focused on startups. But again, throughout the thread was new product launch. You know, how can you create something new the world has never seen that creates a little bit of change and has ripples out? Um, and right. that's what I like most about startups. It's a little bit of world building. You get to set the <laughs> rules and change things. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a good pivot to kind of go right into Pinata. So in thinking about that and that theme, can you guys kind of describe how that applies to Pinata as an idea and then what Pinata is a product? It's kind of a coherent conversation, I think, but 100%. I'm interested in your space in that. Yeah, I I can take a, a flyer at this first, Lily, and would love to hear your thoughts. But Pinata is based on a very simple but powerful idea, which is that paying rent doesn't have to suck, <laughs> you know? And again, it's as, as a, a millennial who graduated into the recession and see, and saw how, you know, rent was, a, rent was like this antechamber to the American dream. You're in this waiting room. People are waiting for you to be a homeowner, but for a lot of people, it's not financially yeah. viable. And it's a, it's actually a really important lifestyle that injects a lot of flexibility and opportunity for so many renters. Um, and the question is, how do you reward and celebrate renters for making that on-time payment every month? And how do you, through the rent payment, change their financial future? So it really turns a lot of ideas on its head, right? That, that spark of change is to say, 
you know, how do we reward renters so that they're paying rent, getting celebrated, and actually building their future? And how can we build a company that is win-win for both renters and landlords? So it's really about systemic change that's win-win for everybody in the ecosystem. Gotcha. Yeah. Will and you, you know what's interesting, Justin, yeah. is, um, yeah, is that, you know, when we think, I always remember one of our first board meetings at Piñata, which really reigned from, you know, some of the biggest names in real estate who have been doing it for decades to, you know, I think we had um, somebody's intern there to take notes as well. And I said, hey, who in this room is a renter? And everyone raised their hands. And it was interesting because, you know, the guys in real estate who have been doing it forever, you'd think they'd be owning, but for whatever reason, they were in transition and ended up renting a home for the year while their their primary home was getting redone. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to see cross-generational renters in a room and us all really feeling some of the pain points around renting. And when I had actually calculated the amount of rent I've spent as a renter throughout my adult life, which I'm oh, that's so depressing. Myself, that's so it's so decades. painful. No, it's really crazy. It's um, you know close to four hundred thousand dollars, which is a small fortune for most Americans. And so, just really yeah. thinking through, man, if this had been spent at Marriott Bonvoy or hotel program or airline program or maybe even mortgage payment, I'd be building credit, you know, getting equity and getting a lot of great rewards back. And so as a renter, feeling like there is something missing here, there's something broken. And how, how does Pinata, how can Pinata kind of play a role within that segment of a renter's journey? And there's so much to be done there. I think we're really just tapping the surface on thinking through how to fix that model. So it's interesting that you talk about the other rewards programs, because as I was like thinking about how to describe this when I'm talking to somebody and they go, what is Pinata? And it's, I think it's really accurate to say it's very much like airline miles in that you accrue them through different actions and activities, the main one being paying rent, but all of those things kind of accrue to your point total. And then you can use your points for stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what Pinata is. It's a rent loyalty program that is focused on transforming the relationship between renters and landlords, right? That's a pretty transactional or sometimes really contentious and tense relationship, but it doesn't have to be that way. As Lily mentioned, if you were spending, the, the average multifamily rent is $1,700 a month. If you spent that with a brand, they'd be thanking you on bended knee and showering you with love and appreciation, right? Right. And yeah. the truth is, you know, there are some things now in my adult life that I spend close to that amount of money on. and it's not a negative experience. If I'm that invested that I've, I've chosen to spend this with a brand, I'm following their news. I'm reviewing and referring. I'm talking about them at brunch or on a podcast with Justin, right? Like, <laughs> and so that is what rent ROI can be. You can really get so much back on both sides. So in conversations I've had and in our own organization at Poplar, like the continued question is, how do you merge these two motivations that are almost in opposition, the revenue maximization of the landlord and the emotional component for the tenant? And where those come into conflict the most is right around rent and what rent costs are and what the rent raises. And so anything that kind of sits in there and starts to concretely show mutual direction for both people that goes, look, I'm going to protect your asset better because I get points if I do. I'm going to pay my rent on time because I get points if I do. Like that's the real thrust of this product, right? It's this 
gamification kind of dopamine release that goes, this is fun now. I think Absolutely. it's both candy That's and right. vitamins. It really... Oh, go ahead, Lily. It's both candy and vitamins, exactly. Yeah. And it really starts to build that alignment. Candy and vitamins, that I love that. <laughs> Typically, yeah, that's right. All in the same bite. That's right. So, I'll explain what I mean by that. So the, the, you're right. There's the fun yeah. dopamine hit of surprise and delight, which is why we're called pinata, right? So you do get amazing home items that are aspirational that you've been saving up for. Um, and and that is those are some of the rewards that are, are available in our app. But there's also vitamins because behind the scenes, this is a membership whose benefits build over your renting life with a landlord. And so we're moving the needle on your financial health. We're building, we're reporting you to the bureaus to build your credit. But the kinds of rewards that are available are also ones that put money back in your pocket. Talking gas, talking groceries, talking the kinds of everyday expenses that combined with rent can make life tough for renters. But if we have enlightened and forward-thinking landlords who are investing in renters' long-term health and delivering a good experience, then the cost conversation moves to one about value. Because I think that's the bigger piece too. Am I am I seeing something back that is valuable for what I'm investing? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about where the company started. Like you guys started in 2019, is that correct? Officially formed as an entity in 2019, but the team pulled together in 2020, actually, about a month before COVID hit. And uh, I remember that trip out. We were all meeting in person, and it was the last week, um, or it was the week that there was uh, new mandates. I think New York City was starting to shut down, and that was our last time in person together for almost a year as we built the company. Yeah. So how does building a company like this during a shutdown, during a pandemic, during an eviction moratorium affect how you talk to companies and talk to renters? I think it really helped to to shape what Pinata is today. And, you know, actually, when we first started, and Clara was with us uh, from the beginning as well as a co-founder. And so, she, you know, Clara would love your your memory here as well. But when we first started, there was, you know, we had different ideas in the space. You know, how do we actually play more on the property management side? How do we actually build tools and technology that um, that we can roll out with the different landlords we were working with at the time? And COVID helped us to get pretty sharp on the value prop and the messaging for the times to say, you know what, this is all ancillary. Here's a core product that we know groups need right now, given the fact that shared assets are down. You know, if you do have buildings with pools and other amenities, they're not in use right now. How do you actually think about um, the lifestyle that you're delivering to your tenants and the the mix of amenities and services? And what else can you can you do for these renters? Credit reporting obviously started to come up with different um, you know p- payment moratoriums and things like that. So we got a lot of inbound questions on how do we even think about reporting rent payments to the credit bureaus. And so it really, again, helped us to get very sharp on our messaging and iterate quickly. We didn't have time. We didn't have time to spin our wheels and and meet with people in person to beta test different products. There wasn't an appetite for that in the market. There was an appetite for show me I have a pain right now. Give me a solution that can help to fix that. 100 percent. I would say forged in the crucible of the pandemic. We really emerged mm-hmm. with three key principles. Like this has to be inclusive and accessible to everyone because everyone's feeling the pain. 
Social impact has to be at the fore. Financial health has never been more important in financial security. And this needs to be win-win. We knew that this was going to be escalating tensions between landlords and renters. And in many cases, we didn't think that was necessarily fair because we also had a bunch of forward-thinking and enlightened landlords who were trying to do their utmost for renters, but who also had mortgages to pay. It was just a bad situation for everybody. And so win-win yeah. needed to be core to what we were delivering. So in, in thinking about that and thinking about the split between where landlords were ending up and where tenants were ending up during that, the first year was particularly dramatic. So how do you look at that that is primarily a social and financial problem and try and figure out how to lean towards the social impact side? Like how does, how does that insert itself into this um, financial difficulty and headache that's happening to everybody? I mean, I think a big part of it was just both the, the pandemic sharpened it, but we always came together because of the mission. So I have to say it actually wasn't very hard to embed social impact as the core, you know, and based on Lily's right. and my backgrounds, that's just how we think about yeah products and businesses anyway. Here's the change we want to see. And in our land, it's renters build their financial future from rent. Like that's radical, right? Like what if rent was a way mm -hmm. to move forward with your financial future? Yeah. What if it was a wealth building opportunity? What? Right? That's that's right. pretty nuts. And what if renters and what if renters love landlords? Like what if actually we could build the kind of happiness on both sides and loyalty to each other? That was the radical change we wanted to see and everything flowed from that. Yeah, I think it's so. I've been involved with a lot of large landlords. I've, I've both as uh, Poplar Homes now, and then with companies I've been a part of before. But I've also been the landlord for one house that was my house that I moved out of when I went back to school. And I think that those scenarios become very different because when it's very few properties or one or two properties or it's inherited property, the owner has an emotional connection to it as well. And the financial flow is much more important for stability of mortgage payments and utility payments than it is for full cash flow. There's more of a retention appreciation play. And so when you have the larger landlords, you also have the regulatory hurdles around if you evict one person after this many days, then that's what you have to do in the other eviction. And so the compromises become less. So it feels like Pinata inserts in that space and goes, look. Here's how it works. Here's how all the things work. If you play by the rules, we can both get ahead, right? 100%. It's that, okay. it's that simple. And look, I know that there are some places where the interests of landlords and renters don't intersect. Our push is that there actually is a huge area where they do. And that's where Piata yeah. lives. Yeah. yeah. At, at its core, the, the asset preservation, having a place to live, and rent payment or all the same thing. Yeah. And those are something that I think the owner and the resident can agree these need to happen. Yeah. Um, Happy renters have huge value for landlords. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have those conversations with our owners who push for the highest rent going to market. And it's a common conversation to say, look, you're looking at one number. Look through the whole number. Look at the lifetime value of your resident. Look at how much a vacancy costs you and look at how much better a happy resident is going to take care of the property. Like there's, there's not a lot of broad numbers in that because it's a harder piece to study. But when I was with previous companies, we'd look at those corollaries and we haven't found like a causal mechanism, but there's corollaries between people that are happy, people that are stay and deposit accounting. 
Yeah. So <laughs> you were a forward thinking landlord, Justin. That's the whole, that's well, the we, idea that we want to find more folks like you and support you in the investment in renter engagement, yeah. satisfaction, and financial health. Oh, now I'm getting pitched. <laughs> I'll take I can't it. Help it. We can't help it. This is what we do. <laughs> but Justin, we, we hear that a lot, right? We hear groups that come to us really focused on a revenue per door number, or you know, they get really focused on um, the fact that different amenities and services are a cost to them. But for us, it's about setting context and helping them to zoom out to think about the long-term value of these renters and ultimately what that means, not just for that unit, but ultimately for the longevity of their brand and their company. And they can they can start, you know, I think on the residential side, we don't, there isn't a, a primary renter experience. Certainly on the commercial side, if you go into different commercial buildings, you know, if you go into a WeWork or a Starbucks, you know, these are experiences that you you understand the moment you walk in the door, the type of experience you're going to get. I think on the residential side, we have yet to see something that's connective tissue throughout the, those experiences. And so how can how can landlords also come together to really rethink that model? Right? Collectively, we're going to we're going to start using amenities and solutions that really start to deliver a consistent experience for renters. And I think that can be pretty powerful at scale when renters know, hey, you know, I'm going into a unit that it's not just pinata, but has pinata. And there's all these other services that I've used, I know, and I really want to incorporate that into my renting experience. So I think there's a lot to be said about what what we can do on the property management side and owner side to really make it easy for them and build up enough traction where it becomes the default renting experience. Right. Well, and that gets really to the mile spot where, I mean, I know that sometimes you guys are white labeled and sometimes you're just pinata. So how do you think about the transferability of those points? Well, the next thing is once you've got pinata cash, you've always got that pinata cash. Uh, and if you're a pinata building or a pinata landlord, you're working with pinata to deliver a customized branded rent loyalty experience through our app, but also through our nudges and engagements through email. Um, the substance, the different types of rewards, uh, the, the different incentives to take care of the property and, and earn more pinata cash may differ between landlords. But the common mindset of you're getting something back for rent, I'm investing in you and your financial health. Every month you come in and you get celebrated, but you also see how the needle is moving on your financial future. That is what the landlords have in common if they're a pinata landlord. Gotcha. Let's talk through a little bit of the nuts and bolts on that because this, this is where I think it gets interesting. So obviously yeah. you get points if you pay rent on time. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you're doing reporting to the credit bureaus. What are the other things that are pretty common to use as point building incidences? Oh, this is huge. We use behavioral science to, to nudge all the things landlords want to see. So that's on-time rent payments, but it's lease signings and renewals. It's online reviews. It's referrals. And it's property maintenance and sometimes it's social media engagement and, and, and event attendance. But the, I think the bottom line throughout is you, if you engage renters, you can harness the energy of the happy renter to build your bottom line and your reputation. We know that that's really important in a world where everyone can go to Yelp, Facebook, apartments.com and Google. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we didn't create behavioral nudges, which is interesting. We're actually all, as consumers, used to being behaviorally nudged. You know, I think the idea is if you want to eat less, use a smaller plate. If you see somebody drinking a, 
uh, soda in a movie you're watching, you know, suddenly you get thirsty for soda. If you want a kid to clean up their room, make it a game, less litter in a city, put more garbage cans around on time rent. Let's make it rewarding and fun and engaging. And same with all of the other actions that you need the renter to take to maintain the asset and the unit. And I think there's, it's, it's about the making it the easiest path forward and the most rewarding for renters. So, and in the rent space, you know, how do we actually apply it to, I think maintenance is where it can get really powerful, right? You make that the easiest, most rewarding path forward. We've always talked about, you know, replacing something as simple as an air filter can actually save hundreds, if not thousands in replacing an HVAC, right? So these are the types of simple renter behaviors that can add a lot of lift to property owners. So, but how do you get them to do it? Well, we, <laughs> we found a method that works, right? It's, yeah. it's essentially we're, you know, we're working with brands and getting, getting a lot of renter love out of the program because they're getting those points that they can get on gift cards, cashback gift cards, different merchandise experiences. And we've even at, offered a bunch of really interesting raffles, which tend to be some of our most popular reward options. But these are for major things, you know, flat screen TVs. We do free rent. And so there's some big ticket items in there. So then people are using a certain number of their pinata dollars or pinata cash to take part in the raffle. And then if they win, they win. And if they don't, it's a way to kind of, some of the points are gone. Some of your cash is yeah. gone. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's a fun aspect to it too. And in the future, we want to make it so that everyone who doesn't win still gets some sort of discount. And so, you know, it. we know that renters are saving up for some aspirational items. Right. And so, again, this is all about putting money back into people's pockets. Right. So <clears throat> on the other side, on the owner-operator side, property management side, um, how do you think about that incentivization? Like, it, it's clear what the resident is getting and accruing. And it, the behaviors that you're nurturing are those that an owner wants, but how transparent is it to the owner, the value that's coming in from this interactions? Pretty transparent. We've got dashboards that let them see how many renters are getting rewarded every month and what they're earning. We can also show them some of the top themes of, uh, in aggregate, their renters' redemptions on different rewards. And I think the biggest part is letting them know in real time uh, what the renter's monthly satisfaction is because we're taking a pulse check every month, right? Like, as, yeah. as I mentioned, the app is the way we deliver the pinata experience, which means facilitating and tracking rent payments, nudging them to do the activities that good renters do, and then also really making sure that uh, on, on, the, on the renter side, uh, we're helping them see the value of, of their rent investment and letting them raise their hand to say, hey, I want to renew my lease early. You know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy or I'm not happy. If I'm happy, we're going to nudge you to go review and refer. And if you're unhappy, we can manage and track that rent satisfaction on behalf of the landlord. Interesting. So it really okay. is a way to boost satisfaction and then use the satisfied renters to build the business. Okay. Yeah. And Justin, something we haven't talked much about is also there's a component in here where we can help build and boost credit scores. Yeah. And so a part of that rewarding experience is saying, hey, in addition to points and a point program for rewards, you can actually have your credit score either built or boosted. And we have a lot of um, we have a lot of renters that have what we call thin credit scores or credit files, meaning they don't actually have a lot of credit history. There aren't a lot of trade lines. 
And so every single month you pay your rent, that's another submission on our rent trade line to help those, those, um, that cohort of renter actually build their credit score. And so that's something if a property group has credit reporting signed up, then they're actually going to be able to see and track the impact that that's having across their portfolio of renters. Yeah. And I think it's not just about, it's about saying, hey, how many renters have we successfully been able to report to all three bureaus and build trade lines for? And then also, what is that impact financially on those renters? We're now able to track credit score impact down to the building level. We can take a look at different cohorts of their renters, but also some deeper financial information on on the health, the financial health of renters, which is all in aggregate, right? So, you know, everything, obviously, um, there's no personal information exposed, but it really helps property owners to better understand how, how their renters are doing. And I think, um, you know, I think the big key here is during times, economic times like we're facing right now, you really want to understand how are renters being impacted. I don't want to know a year later from now when we're going to hit high delinquency rates. I want to start flagging that up front. And so that's where a lot of this kind of deep data analysis that we've been doing um, has really paid off. Yeah, the rent reporting is huge, Justin. I mean, it's it is the only debt free way to build your credit. Yeah. And when you when you really think yeah. about it and how this is structured, the, the idea of how credit works is kind of nuts. Like you start out and you they check your parents and see how these overlap and that might be your initial. But if there's nobody near you that has credit, you don't have a credit penumbra. And so you're just Neh. invisible, <laughs> invisible. invisible. Yeah. In fact, one in 10 Americans is credit invisible. And that impacts them every time they want to apply for an apartment, apply for a job, apply for a loan, even get a cell phone, right? People are checking your credit for all kinds of things. And it's supposed to be a proxy for your trustworthiness. But the scales are kind of tipped, not necessarily in your favor. It doesn't, just because you don't have a credit score doesn't mean you're not credit worthy. And I have to say, renters are seven times more likely than homeowners to not have a credit score. Well, and a big part of that too is that the larger loans you take out, right? So cars and houses are things that if you're closer to paycheck to paycheck, you don't do. You and a buddy get a car yeah. for 800 bucks to 1000 bucks and drive it till it falls apart instead of going and getting a loan for a car. You guys rent because you can't get the down payment together. Like all these things tick off so you're not going for those big long-term credit pieces. And that's rent is huge. Like it's it's a big expense, right? For 43 million American households. Yeah. Rent is the largest monthly expense. Yeah. And so now they get something. You know, we talk to a lot of, that's right. And we talk to a lot of renters that actually say, you know, they're actually financially responsible, but they say, Hey, credit, taking out any kind of credit card debt feels risky. If I don't have the cash in bank, I don't want to do that. And I think it's because they grew up in households or for whatever reason, right? Credit was not something that they're used to living with. And so they go, here's a debit card. You know, I use this because I know I have cash and bank to to spend that $800 on a car. And I'm not going to take out any sort of uh, lending product for that. So, you know, it's interesting to see that subset of consumer because they're actually financially, uh, they're being very smart financially and very safe. But under they lack the understanding that, hey, credit is your the passport to the modern economy, yeah. how are you going to get approved potentially for that even better rental unit or a car loan eventually when you want to upgrade, right? There's so many things that 
we all know that the credit score can be useful for. So yeah, I think there's a lot of education we still need to do for our consumer base and our renting base. You know, the rub of all of this, which is interesting, is that we have, you know, we've heard of groups rolling out credit reporting as an opt-in. And the engagement rate is not as high as you want it to be, primarily because it's like getting renters to eat their vegetables. How do yeah. you actually get them, you know, or, or we all hear you have to floss three times a day. You know, it's like, how do you actually get people to do these things that ultimately they're going to be happy they did it? But the thing with credit reporting, you do it day one, you're not going to see a result day two. You really have to stay consistent with it. But by the end of that lease, that one-year lease, you're going to really appreciate having that just as a passive activity. Hey, I'm paying rent. It's just happening on the back end that it's being reported and building and boosting my credit score because you're going to see that 30, 30 60, 80-point credit score boost yeah. a year later. Well, there's that financial literacy question too that this all bumps into is that a, a huge amount of people don't really understand how budgeting, finance, accounting works. They look at their cash flow and go, I get this much in every month. And when I'm done with the month, there's money in the bank, so I must be fine. And then they're the same people who, when they get into their first year in college, and I did this, you get your first credit card and you go, cool, I have $500. Not, I have oh, a 500 Oh, 100%. I remember they used right? to give away like sandwiches, right? You'll yeah. sign up for a credit card to get a t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> they did this on campus for us. Yeah. <laughs> and then you turn around and you go, okay, now Oops. I have to pay it back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Credit is a scary thing. <laughs> and, and again, right. Oh, go ahead, Lily. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just commenting. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's tricky, right? Especially yeah. as you're, it, if it's your first credit card or your first loan product that you're signing up for, um, you know, I think that's why we're trying to build even more credit education materials in for renters. We have baseline stuff around how to build your credit score with credit reporting for rent, but there's so much more to do to educate people on their credit score. So in that space, do you guys give rewards and, and points based on the educational things they complete, or is that an option for landlords? Or Yes, 100%, and okay. it's, it's already baked into the rent experience Pinata provides. Is again, remember the candy and the vitamins, yeah. Yeah. right? So the candy brings you in each month to get celebrated because let's make no mistake, it is an achievement for most Americans to make rent in full and on time every month, Yeah, right? It's a real lift and no one's celebrating them until now. Yeah. But then behind the scenes, they're ready in the app. They've gotten their reward and they can go and see how the needle is moving on their financial health and they yeah. can supercharge it. They get rewards every time they're reported to the bureaus, and they get rewards for finishing different modules on financial education. But, you know, it has to be fun, and it has to be optional. I think the best thing we can do for busy Americans, 78% of whom live paycheck to paycheck, many of whom are juggling multiple jobs yeah. and so many daily concerns, is to not make it another item on the to-do list. Right. And at least with Pinata, they know that this membership has got their back. Okay. So let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about the rewards. So how do you guys get reward partners? And do you see certain kinds of rewards that are more popular than others? Yeah, I think what really distinguishes our reward experience is that, and, and renters call this out all the time, this, these are practical rewards that they're using in their everyday life. Whether it's the item they've been saving for that now they won because you know they wanted a Roomba, they wanted a big screen TV, and now they have this aspirational item they use all the time in their daily life. Or it's the gift cards that put money back in their pockets for gas, for groceries, for treating the family to a Friday night pizza dinner, mm -hmm. right? 
We also have right. local experiences that really tie renters to their community and mm. deepen their enjoyment of where they live. Interesting. The uh, the piece that we chased for a while and never locked down is we partnered with, um, you know, Grubhub, Uber Eats, some of those companies. And the idea was when you move, you buy everybody that helps you pizza and beer. That's the classic like move reward, right? And as a distributed services company, it's a lot harder to show up and be like, congratulations on the move. Here's pizza and beer. So when all of the move-ins right. and move-outs happen within like a week of each other in some cases, so everybody's really busy. Uh, so we looked at programs, and this is years ago, to try and do that move-in experience. And it sounds like you guys are a lot, not only closer to that, but actually delivering on um, that after some time in the app. Yeah. Not just oh, yeah. move-in and move-out, but all part. throughout the renter cycle. Oh, go ahead, Libby. Yeah, I was actually going to emphasize that we now have a new part of the rewards program, which really, again, using the word celebrates, it celebrates that movement experience and saying, hey, welcome to your new unit, your new home. And it's an additional gift experience that we deliver to the renters. And it's all automated. And that's the beauty is the renters are choosing their own gift experience. You don't know if Justin likes beer or wine or coffee or, you know, maybe pets right and so right. this really allows for them to say i'm going to raise my hand for that rewards experience versus the other one we've had groups say to us hey we tried to do our own little welcome wagon gift package or rewards experience but a it's very time consuming for your, your operational teams on site but also you just don't consumer preference is so varied and so how do you really know as a team what to buy in bulk or try to customize a gift based on notes from the leasing agent. You know, it's very hard to, to nail that model. Yeah. And so with the rewards program, you can add in additional points as a welcome and now even more customized gift options. So renters can choose themselves the different categories that they want to shop in for, for their gift experience. But it's also for renewals. It's also for concession gifts. You know, it's, um, hmm. it's becoming a bigger push that we've been hearing is, hey, we want to actually deliver a, a more customized rewards experience for these renters at scale. How do we actually do that? Right. <clears throat> so that's something we've talked about a little bit because we on our side have uh, street cred, which is where they build up uh, equity towards a down payment on a, on if they want to move out and actually buy. And so the expansion of that and starting to think of other ways to apply it is discussions Lily and I have had around, cool, can they buy one late fee when stuff goes sideways? Can they you know, buy a point off next year's raise, right? Are there different things that you can do that are other larger asks and larger lifts, but all of a sudden there's the opportunity to do that in there. And I think that's where it gets really fascinating is have it go um, deeper into that rent experience, which is going to be really interesting. Absolutely. And you're getting, you're hitting on the exact I think the beauty of the app in that there are some common principles, but you Justin at Poplar Homes can really differentiate your branded and customized experience for your renters too. So we're, we're really putting you in the spotlight. All the rewards and benefits are framed as coming from you. And there can be some specific things they can only get from you. So they should probably stay with you, especially if they're good renters. Yeah. And that's the nice thing is having something that's a differentiator because especially with single family homes, as opposed to apartments with our single family home product, 
it is non-homogenous. There's no shared stuff between you and another renter except for the way that you pay your stuff online, which really abstracts them from the company. Like when you're in an apartment building, you have shared amenities, you see the same people, you're in that location together, that creates a cohort. With single family rentals, your relationship is primarily to the property before and above anything else. So it's, it's really nice that you guys have this product where you start to build a relationship with the company that you're renting from and through them, the owner of the property. Yes. It's like a virtual common lobby or, or community. <laughs> yeah. And it's tied to you specifically. You, the yeah. landlord, not, not just the pinata network. Let's, uh, let's pivot for a second and go back to your early kind of um, careers. Because this is a question that I think is, is more and more prevalent as we look at the housing squish. Like where there's fewer properties, we need more properties. They're not getting built. And parts of that is because different levels of government, nimbyism, lots of different reasons why we're low on properties right now. But when you start to look at that and you look at what you guys are doing with improving people's financial ability to progress, grow, and be able to eventually move to the next thing, possibly purchasing a home, why do you think that this is a problem that's easier to solve with gamification and capitalism than any government policy? Honestly, I think the two have to work in concert. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's just our our cool demonstration project, which is very successful. And I don't think it's just a policy change that's imposed from the top. Uh, in fact, you know, we are in talks with different potential government partnerships uh, that, that can actually roll out these benefits, especially to folks in affordable housing. Mm -hmm. right into yeah. to, to community housing provided by government. And so I don't think it's either or. Um, I don't think our solution is better than or replaces government. But I do think it's something that can work quickly mm -hmm. and that can really ride on the fact that there are forward-thinking landlords ready to implement this now. So I think that's the difference. Like we can get in there now, start changing the mindset, start easing the pain today, while perhaps we agitate for the right kind of ch policy change uh, that supports, again, win-win solutions for landlords and, and renters down the road. Yeah, and just, and I think from our perspective, having both worked in government, it, you know, they are in a unique position to impose change at scale over a longer period of time, in my experience, but really having, having that, that work in parallel, I think makes sense. We're starting to see, for example, California, um, mm under certain types of housing, you have to offer credit reporting as an option. You know, is that a mandate that will hit every state? Um, that's been something that may eventually happen, but I'm not betting on it happening within the next 10 years. And so that's where companies like Pinata and other credit reporting tools are really important, right? We're, we're going bottom up and saying, hey, here's this service. Here's the impact it can have on your portfolio. Renters, here's why it's great. And I think you need to create demand on both sides and really drive drive that change. Otherwise, you know, I think if we sit and wait for government policies, uh, we likely wouldn't see that happen for, for quite some time. But, um, you know, I, I think government really does now look towards a lot of private sector innovation that's happening. And they're they're starting to finally build up internal teams where they focus on innovation. They actually focus on how they can help accelerate. But it's um, for us, we're still navigating that and have some really good conversations. But it's 
it's a tough one, Justin. I don't think there's an easy solution on how to actually impact uh, real change at scale. So we, I spoke to the um, one of the people inside the GSA, the General Services Administration, and one of the things that they were very excited about for housing and for the properties that they manage is the Inflation Reduction Act. Because there's, it, it has a, it's the wrong name for the thing, for, but that's okay. There's a lot of money in there for working on the housing problem and working on the climate problem at the housing level, right? So that's where they package up a lot of the solar stuff, a lot of the things about efficient appliances, windows, insulation, those kinds of things. So when you start thinking about how or governmental organizations like the GSA can sit there and kind of be a large market mover, meaning that they're going, cool, we're only going to use properties, we're only use countries that are certified for this, that are made in the USA and lead certified buildings. And you start seeing them push and lean on the needle. As an organization that you guys are growing and you keep getting bigger. So as you're getting bigger, here, wait, let me let me add one more thing into this because this is where I think all this comes to. So with the advent of the large single family owner operators, right? So there's a couple of them that between them, they own like 200,000 homes. But then you're also seeing this aggregation of property management companies and this continued push where old retired people are going, I can't quite take care of the property anymore and my kid doesn't live here. So my two or three properties I used to manage are now going to be property management managed. So as you have these aggregations and these larger and larger organizations that are handling properties, that are handling certifications, that are handling reporting, that are handling benefits, does that put you guys in a place where you suddenly become the target for a collaboration with governmental policy setting, a target for governmental tax setting, you know, the bigger you get, do you guys think there's a spot where you become big enough to have a push and a sway and influence this at a policy level? That's the vision here too. I mean, that we absolutely, the trends that you've identified are the ones that are going to accelerate our growth. And by partnering with those, again, the forward-thinking landlords who are investing in the landlord-renter relationship long-term around financial health, we think there's a real opportunity for us to bring them together in a coalition and co-create policy, again, so that it is win-win, right? Because we need both sides to thrive in order yeah. for this equation to work. And we don't want landlords to be facing some imposed policy that doesn't let them grow and run their businesses. At the same time, we know we also need to find policies that address the acute problems renters are facing. And so we think that by just being the white hat player here and attracting other like-minded property manager manager and owner partners, we can really make an impact. And we can also kind of speak with one voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Justin, when I say things like, how do we do this at scale? Right now, we have hundreds of thousands of renters on the platform expecting millions. And so when you look at that scale, can we live with a renter lease to lease, meaning you could be yeah. at Poplar Homes and then you could be at another you know, property group years later. Um, we're not going to promote that, of course. We had Poplar <laughs> Homes, everybody. But, <laughs> but the idea is that your pinata benefits stick with you, even if you become a, a homeowner for a few years and then for whatever reason back to renter again, hey, your pinata account is here waiting for you. Governmental organization, that's a very strong value prop to say, hey, we have millions yeah. of renters. We live with them lease to lease and we have some deep insight into what they need financially 
their journey as a renter and how we can support them long term. But I, you know, I think not not a lot of companies can say they're living with a renter lease over lease and they're yeah. benefiting them um, at every point in time when they're paying that rent payment. You're really starting to uncover our master plan, Justin. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, <laughs> it really is around. You know, I know. I think following the renter over their life, really getting to know them, and you know, the truth is, it starts to approach a little bit of a, a renter 401k kind of situation, right? Yeah. Where if you've ever been a renter, we've created a pinata account for you. You have a rent account, right? right? It helps. We, we can see you and incentivize saving for rent. We can see when you need a top-up loan. We can also start to set aside equity building for you with every that you're vesting in for every on-time payment. So there's a much bigger vision here that I think, again, is co-created between the enlightened landlord and the engaged good renter. And you know that, that yeah. that's the, the nexus we really want to promote. Yeah. And I, I think in thinking about that, just in the abstract, for us, we've always talked about being the permanent property partner. We want to be there for your your first home out of college, help you buy your first home. And then when you move because you have kids and want to rent that first home, we'll manage it for you. And then you might incidentally inherit a home and then you need that. Like there's a lot of these spots where we go, cool, we can be in this conversation, but then you're not going to need us for five to 10 years and then you'll need us again. So yeah, that's to stay right. in you that might downsize down the really road and rent again. And it's yeah. the whole renter life cycle, right? And you're accompanying right. them at every step. Very cool. So yeah. let's let's kind of put this to a close with looking forward for a pinata. When do you think you'll hit a million renters? And what are you most excited about that you've got on your roadmap for the next year or two years? Oh, great questions. We're going to hit a million renters uh, next year. And so definitely, you know, we're looking at some big numbers on the growth side. It's through partnerships. It's through, um, oh, it's through partnerships. It's through growth on the renter side. And a couple things we're excited about, you know, I have to say on the product side, we're gearing up for some big releases. And um, all to say, I can't give any specific details on the fintech play, but We've always said, hey, renters with Pinata can pay rent, get rewards, build credit. Right now, they don't pay through Pinata. We just collect the payment data, so the rent roll data, and that's how we process the rewards and the points that renters get. But we're going to be rolling out some really exciting ways for renters to be smarter about how they're saving for and paying for rent. And I think that's really an area that, that we've been focused on the past year and thinking through what's truly going to be valuable and incentivizing for renters. And it's our same value prop, right? We're incentivizing renters to be great renters. Same question to you. <laughs> well, actually, I'm just going to, I'm going to parrot what Lily said, because we're completely aligned on the vision here. It's a million renters next year. We're going to build the largest network nationwide and eventually worldwide of happy, engaged renters. And we're going to have this coalition of forward-thinking rent uh, landlords and property managers focused on financial health and the long-term investment in their renters. And so, you know, next year, it's really about rolling out the fintech vision, uh, which will ladder up to some of the things we talked about, the big master plan of ultimately being there for a renter through their entire lifetime, whether they're renting or they're taking a break from renting, uh, because we know everyone starts there. Yeah. And you know, the benefits that they get from renting should accrue over their lifetime. 
So to pivot to the kind of plug portion of this, if I'm a property owner or a property manager, what are the minimum requirements for me to be able to jump in and go, cool, I want to offer pinata? Yeah, like I'm guessing if I have one home I'm managing and I'm doing it with paper and pencil, it's going to be harder than if I have 30 homes and I'm on a a platform. You know, the nice thing is we can flex for both. So we can work with the really large multifamilies. We can work with big networks with single family homes. We can also work with mom and pops who, like you said, have one unit. In fact, we do. Uh, The nice thing about it is there are no integrations required. All we need is your rent roll. It can be an export from your property management system. We just end up being the loyalty layer that sits on top of whatever system you're using. But maybe you don't have one. And like you said, it's an Excel spreadsheet. As long as you know who your renters are, where they live, (laughs) how much they pay, and whether they're current this month, we've got you. Interesting. I'm I'm actually surprised. I didn't know if you guys would be able to do like mom and pops, but it's, it's great that you are. I mean, most landlords for now are still mom and pops. That's, That's a long true. tail oh, of landlords huge. and renters. Yeah. Out of the, there's like somewhere between 14 and 17 million single family rental homes, like just single family. And out of those, the vast majority, uh, north of 12 million of those are people that have two properties, three properties. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's a massive right. number of people. It's so it's a huge market. Exactly. It's have a number that we, it's a harder to grab market and it's a number that we just can't say no to. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, part of the market we really want to support because we're thinking about those renters, those 12 million renters that aren't getting anything simply because they're renting from, you know, a small mom and pop shop. Justin, what's the number that you see as the break off between people being able to manage on their own versus working with a property management company? Is it 20 units, 30, 50? Well, it depends on the individual. So there's a point at which a lot of owners hit a labor wall where they go, okay, around, the yeah. 20th to the 5th, if I don't have everybody renewed, if everybody's moving out at the same time, I am screwed. Uh, there's a lot of people that are family offices, uh. so they enlist their kids, they enlist their spouses for assistance. And so when you have those those kind of structures, th- there comes a point where you want to buy another property, but it's not the finances that keep you from doing it. It's the labor. And so that's what we normally see as the pivot. And it's somewhere between three and 10, depending on the age of the owner Mm. and how much of a support system they have. So the, you know, the corollary to this is my, my grandmother ran a trailer park and we go over there every day after school to swim, but that also meant we helped her work. So when I was seven, eight, nine, (laughs) we were walking the lots, reading the meters for gas and electric. And that was how they recorded it. So if you have those kind of things to help you, you can manage more stuff when they go away to college or you're not as mobile or something shifts in that support system. That's usually the influx where you influx where you go, okay, I, I need professional services. So yeah, I, I can can't scale this. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. So where do they go if they want to find you? Pinata.ai. They can reach out to either of us, Clara at Pinata.ai or Lily at Pinata.ai. We're super friendly. We have lots of candy, uh, and we can't wait to meet any landlord who thinks the way we do. <laughs> some painkillers, too. If you have some pain points right now in your operation, we'll help. And uh, you can always download the app. So look up Pinata Rewards in the App Store as well. Perfect. Look, guys, I really appreciate you coming on here. I really appreciate the conversation. I really appreciate your product. It's, it's great, the direction you're going, and I like the way that you think about it. So, again, thanks so much for being on the show. 
We're so glad to be here. Thank you, Justin. Thanks, Justin. And if anybody out there needs property management services, you can find us at poplar.homes slash POD. That's poplar.homes slash POD. Again, thank you to Lily and Clara. Everybody go check out pinata.ai, download the app, and start living your... Do you guys have a cool slogan that's like, blow up your pinata or something? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> making rent open. rewarding. I'm yeah. sorry, what was it, Clara? Let's make rent rewarding. Let's make rent rewarding, pinata.ai. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.